Hey, everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray. I'm here with Josh, as always. Hello, Josh. Hello, Gray. And we are joined, for the first time in a while, actually, by a special guest. We welcome David Mooney, the patron saint of the Blue Moon Podcast, to the show. David? <laughs> I was going to say good evening, because it's it's kind it's of evening here, but it's not for you guys. It's yeah, it's here. good morning and good afternoon. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, yes. Um, pleased to have you on to discuss... A rather late dramatic victory. As I was watching, yes, as I was watching this yesterday, I was like, "Well, they're playing the same game they've played a million times this season, so it's good that we'll have someone else to try to find a different way to look at this." But they had a twist at the end, and City beat Swansea two-one on two goals by Gabriel Jesus, the second coming in stoppage time in the second half to give City a huge three points on a weekend when Arsenal and Liverpool both lost putting them back in the top four, at least for the week. So, let's start with the performance, and I'll turn it over to you first, David, because you're the guest. Um, As I was alluding to, it was kind of a performance that we have seen a lot from this team. They played a fantastic first half. They only got one goal for their dominance. And then the second half, you could sort of feel the inevitable equalizer coming as their level dropped a bit. Um, But... The, the pleasant surprise was that they had that one more goal in them at the end. But is this sort of, you know, I, I don't really know how, how to put this. Is It's just, Guardiola has said repeatedly that City have at times not been good in the boxes. And it seemed like this was sort of an instance, once again, where dominance in play did not lead to dominance on the score sheet until um, at any point, really. Well, yeah, I mean, it's looking at the at the way that both City and Swansea had played in that first half. Um, I don't really think Swansea could have had any complaints if they'd gone in at half time and it was four nil. Um, but I think the, the it's been an age old problem for City this season. They've it's not like they haven't been creating chances. They've been there was a, there was a number of good opportunities in that first half that for you know you know maybe one or two bad touches or a cross didn't quite make it into the into the right area or a decent save or something like that what for whatever reason they couldn't find the back of the net and i think there's only it, it's quite must be quite frustrating for guardiola because there's only so much he can do there's only so much he can do to kind of set those set them up to create those chances give them a style of play that creates those chances because at the end of it the the actual final final ball or the finish He's got no control over. He's got to. He's just got to trust that his players are going to put it in the net. And you know, we saw at West Ham in the midweek that you know they they were scoring for fun in that game. And then all of a sudden, you know, what is it? Four days later, they just they just really struggled in front of goal. And I'm I'm not really sure, other than you know the, the age old problem of you know problems in both boxes, which I don't really think they had against Swansea in in their own defensive area. Um, there's there's much more to it than that. I think it, there's the the problem that that comes with it is that it's been a, a problem for City all season, and that's when you start asking questions if you know something's not quite right. You you, you have these one off games where things like this happen, but especially at home when teams have have sat in and, and and really kind of defended deep, City just haven't really been able to find a way through. And you thought you would have thought with with them you know opening the scoring inside what was it twelve minutes or so when uh, when Jesus scored. Um, you'd have thought that, that that it should have opened the game up a little bit more, but it just didn't. And I think 
the worry for Guardiola is is not that his team is struggling to create chances. It's just that they're they're, they're really labouring to pick up points in these sorts of games. And you know, it, it, it's all well and good when when teams like West Ham will uh, will you know remain open and gift you a few goals. When when someone like Swansea comes to town who are fighting for their lives and have really shown a, a kind of a resurgence in the last few weeks, if they're defending deep and, and making it tough for you. You know, City really need to, to have that character to break through. I mean, credit to them at the end that they actually did. I mean, the the vast majority of people in that stadium, myself included, were, were expecting it to be a one-all final score. And, you know, that would be that. It's another one of those opportunities you'd look at at the end of the season and go, well, that's that's why they weren't winners in the, at the end of the day. Yeah, and th- there's... I know it's an oversimplified thing, but it was Thierry Henry who, like, introduced the concept of Guardiola tells you that he will bring you to the final third, but it's your job to get, you know, to succeed from there. Um, Like I said, I think that's a bit of an oversimplification, but the idea, the concept is not necessarily far off. Um, They have created chances that's never really been a problem. There have been a few spurts earlier in the season where it was a problem, but you you watch a game like yesterday and you, you wonder, and then you have things that aren't just aren't coming off and then certain decisions like, Raheem Sterling being booked for game, which was nonsense. Um, but it's it's strange to me that it's still happening, basically, because I think early in the season we were willing to chalk it up to um, you know a system that everyone is still getting used to, and to an extent I'm sure that's still true. But it, it's it seems like there's it shouldn't really be the system at this point it's just sort of a matter of quality and getting it right and being on the same wavelength i guess yeah i think so i think actually to, to uh, the more worrying thing for me though at this stage was was the way swansea came into it in the second half um you, like you say you kind of put that down to to experience for the first half and just say well there's, there's not really much more city can do about that other than you know make sure the finishing's a bit better or you know the, the final ball into the box is a little bit better um, but there's something they could have done about the second half and not allow Swansea as much time and space on the ball as they did and themselves not panic in possession I thought there was a number of times in the in the second half where because Swansea came out and didn't sit behind the ball as they had done in the first half and I think that probably caught City by surprise a little bit um, because you, you would probably expect a team that is you know trying to, to nick something from the game to sit in for maybe another 15 minutes of the uh, of the second half and then with half an hour to go, give it a, a right good going. And they didn't. They came out strongly in the second half. Um, so I think that probably took City by surprise. But what City could do is in that in that case is they still had all the all the um, playmakers on the pitch. They still had all the players who were great under pressure on the ball. And yet they they just weren't finding blue shirts quick enough. They, they were taking three and four touches on the ball that. That meant that every attack slowed down. It gave Swansea time to get the shape again. And then as soon as they won the ball back, they were breaking like like mad, where in the first half they weren't particularly doing that. So I think that, that was the more worrying aspect for me. I mean, in the end, they, they did overcome it with, with the late goal, but it was it was a little bit fortuitous in that sense. You would have expected City, if they were if they were going to try and see out that game, you would expect them to be able to do it rather than have to you know score a, a last-minute winner to, to get the points they need. Mm-hmm. Josh, what did you make of of all this, um, this this sort of same old, same old, and letting Swansea get back into it as well? Well, I think it falls back to 
to what David said, you look at some of the opportunities that Man City had. I mean, there was Yaya's best impression impersonation of Jesus Navas when the ball landed at his feet and he kicked it out to touch. Um, you know, there were a couple of really good crosses that were thrown into the box by both, probably more by Sané, but, but one or two by Sterling that, you know, uh, Jesus just couldn't quite get on the end of. Um, I also thought that maybe Raheem Sterling stayed on the pitch too long. And I also think that, and, and I know I'm going to get criticized for saying this, it, because he was basically the guy who created the second goal, but I don't think David Silva should have been on the pitch that late. It worked out. But I think David and Raheem had started to lose effectiveness and were actually causing turnovers there toward the end of the game. And it just so happened to work out that that Silva was able to pull a moment of magic that that he's been so known to do. But I was in in my own way, in my own house, screaming at my television for for Guardiola to make a sub. Um but it, uh, I don't know. I, I, it frustrates me that City can go out there and put a performance like they did against West Ham and then come back and crap the bed against a team like Swansea. And still they walked away with the three points, sure. But I mean, they really left it to the last to do that. And I, I just don't know if you can count on that happening against better teams. I just just to pick up on that, I think it's um, I, I do think that there's a bit of an issue there, but I also think against the better teams, they they are they've they've shown already this season that they're better equipped to deal with it. Um, I felt for if you, if you take it back to the right to the start of the season, um, when they played United at Old Trafford, United tried to attack them in the first half and City ripped them to pieces for 45, you know, 50 minutes or so in that game. Um, bring it a little bit nearer to Christmas. There was the uh, the Chelsea game where um, it, it, it all turned on De Bruyne missing that chance. Now, for the first kind of 50 minutes of that game, again, City were, were I felt, much the better team. Um, against Arsenal, again, they, they started quite badly against Arsenal and let the let them have the uh, the run of the Etihad. Um, they came out in the second half and, and just they blew Arsenal away in the end. So I think in terms of uh, what they can count on for the games against the better teams, they're not, I don't think it's, I think part of the problem comes with having to break down the defence that's in front of them. And I think that's what the frustration is. The The number of times, the number of teams that have stolen points from the Etihad this season by sitting deep and, and packing the boxes is, is much higher than those that come and, and, and try and play a bit. So I think against the better teams who were more instinctively trying to, to get something out of the game by, by matching City at their own game, I think City have been doing all right. I mean, they were unlucky against uh, um, Tottenham. They they really should have got something out of that. Well, she got something more than a point out of that game. Um, and I kind of felt, like, yeah, against Swansea, it was a, it kind of rolled it back to, to the, the autumn performances against the likes of Everton and Middlesbrough that you know that didn't really show too much ambition until it uh, uh, you know until the the one opportunity was right for them to score so I, I I'm not overly worried about how the performance will come against the better teams I'm more concerned about about actually being able to break down the the kind of mid-table teams and the the lower teams because the, that's been a consistent problem for City this season 
you're absolutely right about that. And I, and I, when I say that I look at City and I wonder what kind of struggles they're going to have, I'm more looking at it with the current construct of the team. Those other games that you mentioned <laughs> feature different lineups with different players. And this, now Guardiola, it, we would think, and I'm sure we'll get to this a little bit later on the podcast, but it seems like this is going to be the lineup moving forward. There may be some game-by-game changes while Guardiola search for his aha moments, as he calls them. But I am slightly worried that that this team had such a difficult time breaking down teams that are going to sit in on them. And once you get into the Champions League, if City keep conceding on and I, I can't remember I think it was it the was it finally the second shot did the, did they finally not concede on the first shot or was it the first shot on goal that they I thought it was the second shot uh, no, so Caballero certainly made a few saves um, on yeah, the, the, yeah the one against the post yeah you're right uh, absolutely so I mean at least they've got that moved on to like the second or third um, but I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just not confident that this team is built to break down teams that say in Champions League play, go score, maybe get the away goal, maybe even nick two away goals. And then, like you said, they go and they sit in. This team seems to almost get frustrated with itself when they can't break a team down because of the quality that exists on the team. And then you look at the frustration in Guardiola's eyes, and it just, I don't know, I think it sort of uh, amplifies what Gray said, you know, where it's like, hey, I can I can bring you guys to the final third, but you have to use your creativity and your class to to work these guys. And I don't know. I, I, I believe they can do it. I'm just not fully convinced that this is going to be the year in which they do it. No, I think, I do think it will take a little bit of time. Um, I think it's, it's also, um, I think a lot of it will come down to the player recruitment over the next 18 months or so, because I, I think Guardiola walked into this squad with, um, Certainly ideas that it was better than it was. And I think there's a lot of there was certainly a lot of pundits here in England that would say um, just off the cuff. Well, well, City have the best squad in the league. And actually, when you break it down, there's there's a lot of deficiencies in the squad. And, there's you know, they've spent a lot of money in the last few years on some pretty bang average players. Let's be honest. Now, that's not to, to discredit some of the players they have brought in, because like said, De Bruyne and, and Sterling, for instance, have been have been, in my opinion, great signings. Um, but there's been the kind of support network around them isn't really there. And that combined with the problem that they kind of sleptwalked into this crisis of of having too many aged players. There was, I mean, you look at, at the, the, the kind of spine of the squad. OK, Aguero is, we'll, we'll come on to this a bit later on, whether or not he's he's kind of there for the long term anymore is is in, in question. Um, but he's still, you know, he's, he's 28, I think he's now. So he's, he's approaching he's approaching 30. You've got Torre, who's been, a, you know, kind of a rock in the midfield for the last couple of months or so now. He's well over 30. Silver's the wrong side of 30. So there's, there's certainly a lot of, of kind of legs in this team that has been there for quite some time. You look at the fullbacks, for instance. They've not got a fullback under 30. So there, there really is um, kind of this, this problem that they've, that they've sleptwalked into. And I think all of that combined kind of leads to this 
that they've been over reliant on these players for some time, and they haven't brought in the, the the kind of the players that that need to be there to support them around it. So when you get to the games like um, like Swansea, where they are reliant on on you know players doing something creative, it can be really frustrating because for the last five or six years or so, we, the, the fans in the stadium have seen these players regularly break down teams. And when it's not quite happening for you, it can it can it can it can be really frustrating. And I, and I kind of I kind of look at, at the front three of, of Sane, Sterling, and, and, and Jesus or Jesus of um, Jesus. That that is going to be the the kind of the future lineup going forward for quite some time for City. There's there's a lot of youth in there. There's a lot of inexperience, but there's also a lot of it's quite pacey. It's quite uh, dynamic. They they all can move around the top uh, top three positions, and they're all they all look to put the fear of God into defenders as soon as they get the ball. And I think when you when you kind of look at that in in the long term, not just for this season. The future for City's attack is really quite bright in that sense. Um, I think what really needs to be sorted out is the defence and the, and the back four, because as soon as that's sorted out, Guardiola can get the ball down and play it a bit more than he does at the moment, and in, and in theory break through the lines of, of um, the opposition further up the pitch and create more opportunities to have those counter-attack goals rather than you know, those those goals where they have to really work and work and work and work on the edge of the box to just create this this half a yard of space. And if somebody takes a bad touch, they have to do it all again for the next 10 minutes. You kind of hope that once he's got the, it sounds weird to say, once he's got the back four sorted out and his goalkeeper in position, because I don't think it's Claudio Bravo, the, uh, the ideal goalkeeper that he wants. Once he's got that into place, the rest of it will kind of be built on much more solid foundations and it should work a lot better. Right. Um, let, let's um, let's kick ahead and uh, deal with the inevitable, which is um, <laughs> the 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 uh, apparent controversy that now envelops the striker position. Gabriel Jesus scoring um, twice, as as we mentioned, as once again Sergio Aguero is left on the bench, comes on as a sub, but again tried. Should have scored right at the end after they'd gone up to one. He had a pretty good shot with a header that went over. Um, and it certainly fit the narrative well, didn't it? Made it, it did. Yeah, I suppose it did. Um, but um, obviously, he gave his first quotes after the game. Very interesting stuff in which he said that he didn't want to be sold, but I have to help the team as much as I can in these three months, and afterwards we'll see what the club wants to do with me. Um, and... Since then, we have seen in pretty much every source, both reliable and unreliable, from Simon Mullick to ESPN to Sky Sports to you name it, uh, citing anonymous city sources saying that Aguero will not be sold under any circumstances this summer. Now, obviously, we know that this is city sources that have a reason to be leaking this. What do um, Given that we have quotes now and we have sort of denials from all sides, uh, David, what do you think the future holds for for this for this marriage at this point, basically? Um, I I honestly don't know, and I know that's not the answer you want to hear. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, I I think it's it's really interest it's a really interesting dynamic at the moment. I think it's it's important to note that um, Aguero himself has said he do, has, has quite explicitly said he doesn't want to leave. Um, Guardiola has consistently said in his press conferences that when Aguero leaves, it will be Aguero's decision and nobody else's because he's, you know, he's earned that right for being such a good striker and a big part of the club and 
you know, someone who generally you can rely on to score you 20, 25 goals a season. Um, the club have, through their you know anonymous sources, who, um, like you say, have spoken to various members of the press, uh, have made it absolutely clear that he's not for sale. So in theory, that should be the end of it, shouldn't it? But we all know it's not. Because, and, and I think the reason we all know it's not is because from ever since Guardiola walked through the doors, there's been there's been a very odd relationship between Aguero and him, and it's it, it all stems back to this. The, there was an exchange at the start of the season in, in one of the press conferences I was at, where Guardiola almost let slip the type of striker that he wanted Aguero to be more like, and he'd and, and he, all all he would end up saying was was no, Sergio knows who it is, Sergio knows who it is, and there was a lot of speculation that it was um, Luis Suarez at, at Barcelona, and I, I actually think when you look at, at Gabriel Jesus, as he's come in, he is the type of striker that Guardiola will will thrive on. He, he's he's full of energy and he consistently press everywhere. But the number of times he drops into the midfield to just help up with the link up play and then get himself into the box, Aguero doesn't do that. Aguero's built his career on being lethal when he gets the ball, but his teammates have got to get the ball to him because there was there was a number of times for throughout his time at, at City where we've said of Aguero. He's been isolated in that game. He's, he's not done anything, but he's not had the opportunity to do anything because the ball hasn't got to him. And you kind of, there's two schools of thought with this. And, and the first one is that, well, maybe he should come deeper and, and try and get himself involved a bit more. But the second one is, is quite a comfortable one when you think of actually, you know, Aguero's strike record for City is pretty damn good. So why not just let him get on with what he wants to do? Um, so when you kind of bring all that round to how Guardiola is going to want to play, Aguero doesn't really fit into what he wants but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have the opportunity to be able to prove that he can and when you think of of what I think is is Aguero's best performance this season which was the um, 3-1 win over Barcelona in the Champions League Aguero didn't score that night but he was involved in pretty much everything that City did going forward and that's what Guardiola wants from his striker so on the evidence of that and that alone um, Aguero can do what Guardiola wants him to do so there should, in theory, be no reason for him to leave at the end of the season. The other kind of school thought that I've got on this is City went into the season with Aguero and Inacho as their two strikers. We we were told Nolito, who you know on another point has dropped off the face of the earth, no no idea where he is at the moment. Um, he is someone who can play up front. The Bruyne has played a little bit up front, but they're not strikers. They're 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 more attacking wide men or midfielders. And so they went in with two senior strikers. And at the start of the season, everybody was, was sat here saying, oh, it's, it's, it's surely not enough. They're surely going to need to bring someone in in, in uh, the winter window, even with Jesus arriving. Now, now Jesus is here. We're suddenly talking about getting rid of one of them. And it just doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't see that, there's, that there isn't room for both of them in the squad. Certainly with the number of games that City are going to be playing if they, uh, if they you know, achieve their objectives in all the competitions that they're in. So I, I, I really don't know where to stand on this one because to me it feels like Aguero will want to be the number one choice consistently all the time. And it is a little bit embarrassing to be usurped by a 19-year-old. But at the end of the day, there's not a lot of depth in the striking position. So City won't want him to go anywhere. And they're certainly not going to want him to go to one of, his, one of the rivals because he's, he's that good a player still. So... It just kind of I, I'm not really sure how the dynamic will play out. If, if Aguero is happy to to operate on um, not being an automatic starter anymore, which you'd kind of hope as a footballer you would uh, he'd go for, 
because it, it just kind of it reinforces this idea that I've got to play well, otherwise I get dropped. Then you would hope that it, that nothing will change in the summer. That Aguero will still be here, Jesus will still be here, and they'll both be banging in goals all next season. See now, I have a question. Um, you know, we mentioned the disappearance of of one Nolito, but there was another striker with a pretty good rate. Uh, who was who was punching balls in and and showing a lot of uh, effort work rate as it might be called and uh, I don't know what the hell happened to him what's going on how did Ian Nacho fall out of favor um it's a, he's a funny one as well isn't he because I mean Aguero before Jesus arrived Aguero spent I think seven games suspended um and off the top of my head I think Ian Nacho started two of them. And that, that to me, it says that Guardiola isn't particularly convinced with him. And it's not like Guardiola doesn't give opportunities to young players because it's not exactly like Jesus is the most experienced player around. So there must be something about Iheanacho that Guardiola doesn't quite fancy or hasn't quite seen from at the start of this season that has convinced him he can do the job that he wants. Um Again, I agree with you with the strike rate. Ian Hatcher was was really exciting when he came through and has been consistently scoring goals when he's in the team. But there's been a couple of starts this season where he's been in the team from the off and it just hasn't worked. Right. I mean, he's just not been able to get into... I was up at the limelight a little bit. Yeah, um... I, I guess um, that, that that's something that we have discussed many times because it's not something that we quite understood. Um, I, as I've seen pointed out on Twitter more than a few times, um, under Mancini, City had four strikers that were all – it was a deeper position than they have now, and they had four of them, and they were all – could have played for a number of teams in Europe. So that that, that point that was made is roughly – they they don't have the depth, and they could obviously afford to keep Aguero and Jesus. It's just a matter of whether they Aguero in particular is amen, is amenable to it. Josh, has your opinion changed having read these quotes and seen these denials and all that nonsense? Have as does the last twenty four hours changed what you see of Aguero's future? Uh, no, I I honestly think that that. And like I said, I I realize I'll catch stick for this, but I I think it's time for City to move on from Aguero. Um, I I've noticed, you know, that that Aguero's kind of a square peg trying to fit into a round hole in Guardiola's system, and you can kind of see the frustration on his place when uh Guardiola gives him his shot and it just doesn't go the way that he wants and and to be perfectly honest I I I get what David's saying about Jesus you know playing a little bit like Luis Suarez coming back trying to help the team and uh, dropping a little bit deeper Aguero will do that stuff but it's not necessarily in the name of bettering the team. It's usually in the name of getting the ball at his feet so he can try and do something special with it, and then it doesn't end up working. So I, I, 
I feel like there are options out there, and Aguero gives you... Well, I hate to be redundant, but Aguero gives you even more options. Uh, because you can opt to sell him, you can use him as a make-weight, you could use him to tempt Real, maybe off of Obama Yang, like you suggested, freeing City to go after Pierre. Um, there, there are a number of different things that they could do with Sergio. The question is, and it boils back to this, which striker does Guardiola feel more comfortable with? Because no matter who you sell, you're leaving yourself with two starting strikers or two strikers that are capable of starting. Whether it's, you know, you sell Aguero and then you have Ianacho, or you sell Ianacho and then you have Aguero and Jesus. I I don't know which one you get rid of, but I'm starting to feel like it's not going to be Aguero, though I think in the interest of things, he should be the guy to go. Simply because now he's never going to be worth more than he is now, but he definitely will become worth less than he is now. The thing that I forgot to mention in the last one um, is that Atletico Madrid, as far as I know, this hasn't been overturned, can't register new players until 2018. So they wouldn't be an option, which I guess leaves you with Real Madrid, who apparently want Paulo Dybala from Juventus. But we'll see. Who knows? Um, I This was a question asked of us um, from friend of the pod, Christo Hatzing, and I'll pose it to to uh, to David first. And this is this is not really a will they, but a should they question. Um, so putting aside what you think will happen, um, do you think it makes sense to sell Aguero now while he's still youngish, like Josh was saying, because he's worth more now than he will be in three, four, five years? I, I do get the argument that um, he is worth more and that his value will only depreciate in time. Um, but I still I still think there's far more left in him for, for, for City to... There's far more value in City having him as an option than, than selling him at this stage because there are some players that, that City have let go in the past where... You would you you would look at them and go you know they they shouldn't have let them go at that time or they've held on to them for too long there was a, there was um, I mean it's still my feeling as much as he's loved at, at City uh, I still feel like Edin Dzeko had one too many seasons at City his final season just was was not um, not one that uh, was will live long in the memory let's say um, but I still think Aguero's got many more moments in him to be able to to really lead this City team and. Just because he doesn't quite fit what Guardiola wants now doesn't mean that he can't in six months' time. Because I, I, I take the example of, uh, of Willie Caballero. I know it's. I know we're, go, we're going only off the last few games that Caballero has been the, the the starting goalkeeper, but he has looked so much more confident with the ball at his feet than he had than he did do at the start of the season. And every time he was getting the ball at the start of the season, there was nerves around the stadium that he, you know, what's he going to do next? Where's he going to go? Is he going to dink it out of play or whatever? Uh, and then we were expecting Bravo to be this, this this paragon of virtue that would that would sort out all those problems, and he didn't. And his form got to the stage where Guardiola looked at his two goalkeepers, put Caballero back in, and the mood is just it's so much more relaxed with him at the back at the moment. And part of it is down to the six months or so work he's done with Guardiola's goalkeeping coaches and staff to make sure that he fits into his style of play. So I think all it, all it takes is for for Aguero to be able to adapt, he just needs a bit of time, I think. So I don't, I don't see too much value in. Well, I said there's, there's lots of value in terms of money selling him right now. 
Um, but I, I think it, that could be if they were to sell him now for you know a, a very high price. I, I feel like it's one of those decisions that could come back to bite them on the backside. Yeah, that's that's reasonable, um, and I I think that it's it's hard because if you're going to sell Aguero, you have to replace him. Um, you know, my my biggest argument would against selling Aguero would necessarily be how are you going to replace him because top top strikers are not always available on the market. Um, you look at I think that like, there also there also needs to be the uh, the the buying club as well because uh, I mean. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, you look at Barcelona and Real Madrid, they have the financial muscle to be able to afford somebody like Aguero. But they could quite easily look at City's valuation of him and go, it's too much. Or, it's, or they could look at uh, look at it and go, well, actually, we don't want him for our squad at this moment in time. He's a great player, but he doesn't fit how we want. And Aguero, so if suddenly, if, yeah. if those two don't, if, if, I mean, who does Aguero leave City for if it's not Real Madrid or Barcelona? That's 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 the other question. Does he, does he go back home to Argentina? And if we're and, being blunt? He's not getting in Barcelona's team. <laughs> it's it would be really hard for them, I think, to break up the front three they have going there. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't see him even cracking um, the starting eleven for Barca. The, that would my argument would roughly be against, and I, I can see both sides of this, and I confess that I haven't quite made up my mind. I'm still inclined to stick with it, but the argument would be. Um, you have to have a replacement, and you look at a guy like Griezmann who looks bound for Man United. You look like for, at a guy like Aubameyang who, you know, okay, maybe you can pass a girl off on Real Madrid and they drop their interest, who knows, but you better have a darn good guarantee that Aubameyang is at t- is his list, you're at the top of his list. Um, and then you, you go beyond that, and it's like, who else? is available, I guess you could push for Paulo Dybala at Juventus, which has been linked this morning, but Real Madrid also want him. Um, Real Madrid want everyone, so I suppose that's not really news. This but, is kind of how he works, isn't it? Yeah. But, but um, yeah, I guess I guess my, my position would be, if you're going to sell him, you better have someone lined up, and it better not be a significant drop-off in talent, if not necessarily a better f- um, and probably a better fit too. Just, just, just kind of on that point as well with uh, with Jesus coming in. I think it's very important to remember that he's one, he's 19 years old. Two, he's just played a full season in Brazil and he's now coming in to, to play the second half of a, of a Premier League season. He's young. He's in a new country. He's settled well, but he it's not going to be this good for the for the you know the entirety of his time at City. He will have a drop off at some point that he then has to fight back to get to this form level. And I, I think if you were to sell Aguero, if, if that were to not happen <laughs> until the start of next season, for instance, then if you've sold Aguero in the summer and, and you're relying on Jesus and Ian Acho, for instance, you've got two very inexperienced strikers there and not a lot else. And I think what Aguero brings to the forward line, I mean, I was lamenting the, the age difference before, but actually Aguero is at quite the right age for to, to be the senior member of a, of a squad right now. So I think he... I think what he brings is that experience. He brings, you know, the the experience of having been there and done it for for quite some time at City, and for having won God knows how many how many titles throughout his career. All that does is it just it cements his position amongst the other strikers. And Jesus will be coming in and going. He won't be looking at Sergio Aguero completely as a teammate. He'll be looking at him as as somebody who he's looked up to in his career already. 
So I think there's there's a lot of benefit for for off the field having him in the squad as well. So I I, I really I really think as, as providing Aguero is is happy to to stay and and fight for a place instead of being an automatic starter like he was in the past, then I I really don't see it's in City's interest to sell him. Okay. No. Well, you've brought up Gabriel Jesus's youth and his time all the football he's played this year which is something that I was pointing out before he got here so this is a perfect way to segue into the next topic that I want to talk about which is okay we have a kid here who has come in and basically lit the league on fire he is also 19 years old I mean two goals yesterday kind of uh scrappier efforts right place right time but city needed something like that and I must confess that I was waiting with bated breath for the offside flight to come up on that second one um, just because when you see someone get such a free header and two chances at it, you just sort of think, well, somebody messed up here. Um, glad to be wrong. But he, he, we have a 19-year-old who's played a lot of football, who is in a new country, as David said, all that that David just said. Um, are we are we already putting too much on him? Because we, he's, he's starting now, and he's going to continue starting as long as he continues to score, which I'm perfectly fine with, but... Are we are we putting too much reliance on him to to get us goals? Because outside of him, there have been times when that has been a bit of a struggle. So are we asking a little too much of him this early? Um, I don't think so. I think he, um, if he's happy and he's, I mean, you look at the way he's playing at the moment. He's certainly playing with a smile on his face. So he's he's certainly settled in quickly. Um, he seems he seems really happy of of the way it's going, and if, if he's getting into those positions and putting the ball in the net, then it's it's a credit to City for putting him into those positions. Um, you look at, at, at uh, the goal we scored against West Ham. Um, his teammates certainly trust him because you know it was a it was a a, a nice finish from him, but Sterling was one on one, and it's you know you, you look at that situation. Most players there would look at it and think, "Hey, I'm one on one. I'm I'm having this goal for myself." Whereas Sterling looked up and thought, yeah, he's 19, he's a kid, and you know he's he's in a great position, but he's got a better chance of scoring if I uh, if I roll this across because I'll I'll give him an open goal instead. So I think there's certainly a lot of trust between him and his teammates so far, um, and I think City are really reaping the uh, re- the rewards for that. If 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 it gets to the point where he's not having such a great time and his uh, his form does dip and he's not scoring goals and he's not quite as happy as he was. Um, I think yeah, that's that's when you sit back and you go, hey, we we don't pile the pressure on him. We bring Aguero back in because you know there's there's still, you know, what we know we're still early February, so there's several months of the season left. He's not going to play the, every game till the end of the season. So Aguero comes back in, you know, he finds his form again. So it's I, I think it's it's important to to just kind of take whatever he offers to the end of this season as a bonus. Um, but I think the way that City are doing it at the moment, yeah, get the most out of him. But as soon as it's not kind of working for him, then I think if they were to keep him in and keep expecting him to do things, that's when there'd be too much pressure on his shoulders. Josh, what do you think of the responsibility that is being put on Gabriel Jesus? Um, it's difficult to know, but here's here's what I said, and, and, and I'll stick to it because I said it on the last podcast, and I still think it holds true. This is a guy who, no matter where he's been, no matter which club, no matter which responsibility he's been handed, he's answered the call. It's, it's kind of maddening how bad Brazil were prior to Gabby Gol and Gabriel Jesus sort of 
coming into their ascendancy. And now the the pressure is if you look at what those two have done for Neymar just in 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 the international game, it it's it's really easy to see how as David was saying, this is a guy who is already earning the trust of his teammates. He's a guy that people are buying into. There's a reason for that. And and he's shown us that everywhere he's been. Now, there's always the possibility that you're heaping too much on one player too early. But let's let's just be honest. That's going to happen no matter what, right? Like, if Gabriel Jesus doesn't score, then people are going to be calling him a bust. If he does start scoring at an astonishing clip, people are going to be saying, oh, you're putting too much faith in him. He's going to let you. It really doesn't matter what he does. As we've seen with the press, if he buys a house, it's going to end up in the paper. So I just think I think Jesus has has really brought something special to this team. It's it's shown in the last two games. We've seen a different side of City in the last two games, and maybe the Swansea game didn't quite go the way that everyone wanted it, even though City came away with the three points. I just think it's hard not to be able to – hard to look at a guy like Gabriel Jesus and then write him off as a guy who – uh, I don't know, maybe it is is a flash in the pan, if you will. And I don't know that anyone's saying that, but I, I'm fine with what's being heaped on this kid because City have European hopes. Now, you don't win a European crown by employing guys who are far too afraid to use every trick in their book to get the W. Um, I, I, I think you need to have guys like that. I think you need to have guys who are willing to give 150% in everything they do and draw that extra 25 to 30% out of their teammates. Making everybody around you better is the surest way to make the team better. And it kind of feels like to me that Jesus is in the process of making everyone else around him better. Now watch, I say this, he'll bottom up the next three games and we'll be back to Aguero starting. So I don't know. I, I could end up being wrong. But I honestly do believe that this kid has succeeded everywhere he's been for a reason. I think he was born to live live in the moment, and I think he's got all of the tools necessary to become one of the best in the game. It will take some time, and he's got some pretty large shoes to fill, but I definitely and truly believe that this kid has what it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I just, as long as the reaction when he does have that inevitable dip in form is measured and reasonable, yeah, it won't be. I know it, it won't, won't be. be. As long as, as long as it's reasonable from the right people, then I'm okay yeah. with that. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Let's. Well, while we have David here, and because we have a question about it, I do want to talk a little bit about the transfer market before we let him go. Even though it's only February, we can still do that. Um, and what, what spurs this first thing is that I we have another question from Christo, and he wants to know, of all the top teams, City look to have the best, or at least some of the best, young talent. 
for fullbacks uh, going forward, I, I guess, not necessarily this season, but next season, will Pep use youth or bring in players? My feeling on the fullback thing, before I turn this over to you, David, is that if he had enough faith in the likes of Angelino and Pablo Maffeo, um, they would still be here as opposed to sent out to Girona or whatever other little team that they've been sent on loan to. That is uh, exactly my feeling as well. I think um, if in terms of uh, certainly those two, um, City have, have quite clearly had a fullback problem this season. Zabaleta's form isn't what it once was. I mean, he's he's a player that that fans regard as a club legend, and you know he he will you know he will give everything as soon as he goes on the pitch. But his legs just don't keep up with his brain anymore. So he he does. There's a number of times when he is caught out and he's not able to 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 kind of do what he used to be able to do. Um, Bakary Sanya has been great for the time that he's been at City, but you know he's older than Zabaleta, so it's not like it's he's going to be a long term part of the squad. Um, on the left side, one of the fullbacks has been moved inside as a centre half, so the other one is has uh, is, is been kind of relied upon a bit more like that. Sometimes they're playing three at the back to become. It's a real mess. The the, the setup of, of the back four, you know, kind of certainly with the with the fullbacks involved. And you would think if uh, if both Angelino and Maffeo were were players that were were up to that standard or very, or near to that standard that Guardiola wants already. Um, that have probably seen some more game time than than they have already this season. I think uh, Maffeo, Maffeo, I think has seen a little bit more, uh, if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the uh, in the EFL cups. But he, I mean, it, it was it's a, it's a couple of games and you know what, a handful of minutes more if if that. Um, so I would suspect that um, that the future isn't quite as bright for those two. And I think what it does actually is. Is put in a stark a, a stark problem that City have got with with bridging the gap between the youth team and and the first team, because the youth team has been consistently one of the best in the country for the last few years, and you know I I mean I never get to youth games but you if you ever if you ever see the people on Twitter that do they're they're, they're raving about the, the the talent that's in those squads and. You, know, you, you look at some of the score lines. They, they've been picking off United quite regularly. You know, they, they score five, six, seven, eight goals in games, and yet there's no real bridge for them to get into the first team. The fact that uh, you look at, at the youth players to come through, um, Ian Acho is the only one you would say has, has made the leap, but he was a player that hasn't really come through City's academy. They brought him in as, as a youngster, so I, I do think there is this this kind of talent gap that they've got to bridge. Um, whether or not they'll do it in the next couple of years is a is a different matter because there's the problem that the first team have is that in order to be title challengers in order to be to be getting deep into every single competition that they're in they've got to win most of the games and so they there isn't this opportunity to say well let's just let's just chuck in an inexperienced kid and if it doesn't work it doesn't work hey ho it's it's only one game that we've that we've not managed to win but if everybody else around you wins then all of a sudden you you're chasing you're playing catch up already so I really don't know where it stands. My instinct would be that City will go into the transfer market and, and identify some targets. They were they were certainly interested in Bellerin at the start of the season, although um, I, I think Arsenal have had enough of selling players to City and are probably never going to do it again. So I, I, I don't I don't see that one really as, uh, as something that will come off. Um, they my understanding was as well that they sounded out Tottenham for both Rose and Walker, um, but again we're very quickly kind of shooed away on those two so I, I don't know any names that they could bring in but I, I would assume they would go into the uh, into the transfer market instead of looking at the, uh, the youth prospects 
how much of the uh, city going back in for a Myrick Laporte is true? Um, well, I don't know. I've not. Uh, I haven't spoken to City about it. I've not asked anybody at the club about it. Um, so I, I really don't know. Um, it would. It's a difficult one because when he signed that contract and kind of turned City down, it, it, you kind of feel that that was, that was the end of it. But what it what it possibly does is just increases his kind of transfer value a little bit more. And you know, if City were to come back with a big offer, maybe maybe he changes mind. I really, I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, fair enough. I had just been reading something in it and just seeing that. Uh, Guardiola, you know, realized this is a guy he's got to have. And, and and this also comes on the heels of the report that Bagheera Stein has been relieved of his duties as sort of the talent evaluator and that Pep will be the guy in charge of this. Now, I want to ask you this. I America sort of has a lot of this. You know, you got guys like Pete Carroll – uh, Bill Belichick, who, you know, with their respective teams, the Seahawks and the Patriots, sort of not only manage the team, but also handle pretty much every football decision that comes through. Any player that gets signed, any anything, it gets run through those guys. And Guardiola, while he didn't necessarily have full control over at Bayern, I had to remind somebody that he did say, like, look, it's Tiago or Nish, you know, it's Tiago or nobody. And I mean, if you can lay down that kind of response uh, to people asking, well, what about this player? What about this player? No, you're going to give me this guy or nobody. I, I, I do think that that sort of it shows how much clout. Guardiola has in these situations. Is there any truth to this that Guardiola is going to take over? And if so, what can City fans expect from that moving forward? Is is this a wise move? Um, I would expect that... uh, Well, let me say first off, um, I think Guardiola probably... In terms of uh, of power at his football club, I think nobody has been as powerful at their club than um, Guardiola, with with the only exception in the Premier League uh, being for being Sir Alex Ferguson at United. Um, Ferguson's kind of dynasty came through having built up what he did at the club. Um, I think Guardiola's comes with his reputation of what he's done at his previous clubs, and you know. I think what what shows that Guardiola has a lot of power at City is there is absolutely no other manager on this planet that would have got away with making the decision to change the goalkeeper at the start of the season. Any other manager would have come in and said, I'm going to take Joe Hart out and bring somebody else in that can play with his feet. And somebody at the club would have gone, hey, hang on a minute. This is, are you really sure about this? We're not, we're, we're not sure we can sanction this move. Um, they made, they've made such a big play about getting Guardiola and, and, you know, if you treat him as, as, the best manager in the world or your ideal manager in the world, you then can't expect him to come in and, and tie his hands behind his back and say, these are the limitations you've got to work with. So what what he wants, he will probably get at this football club, certainly for the time being. Um, they're, they're going to give him the best opportunity to that, that he can have to transform City into one of the best in the world. Um, I think... It's also important to remember that Guardiola, when he looks at, uh, at things, of course he likes to win titles. 
But I get the impression that what he likes most of all is watching and enjoying good football. So I think one of the big things that, that we need to kind of flip with our mentality is that um, Guardiola isn't here to change the Premier League. He's here to to enjoy himself and he's here to make City fans enjoy themselves while watching the club. And when you look at it that way, I think Guardiola having control of the transfers is probably a really good idea because what it does is it says he, you know, he's, he's got this reputation for being a meticulous planner. He's, he's the one that looks down at, at, at pretty much everything that the opposition are going to do. He watches hours and hours of football every week. So if there's a player that he's targeted, he's not just going to buy them on a whim. He's going to look at them and look at them and look at them. And so what what I kind of take from that is that if this man wants to make football entertaining and he wants to bring in this player, then this player is going to make football entertaining for City fans. So I would couple that with the transfer record that City have had in the last kind of three years, maybe four years, where you know they, they've they've not really lived up to standards. Um, then yeah, I, I I don't see any reason why City wouldn't give Guardiola the final say on uh, on transfers. From 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 what I understand, is it, it it won't be particularly him going out and doing every single bit of business. We have this. Um, I don't I don't know if you guys have it over there. We have a, a computer game called Football Manager, which. Um, it's, it's oh, very, we have it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very English mentality in that the the manager at the football club does absolutely everything. They decide the tactics, they pick the team, they uh, sort the coaching out, and they go out into the transfer market. When actually on the on the continent, one of the biggest things is that um, you have head coaches rather than managers. You have somebody who is given a squad of players told to get the best out of them and transfers are done by a director of football. City have had that model for the last few years and, and when it's done right, it can work. Um, I thought it was done quite well um, with uh, Gary Cook as the CEO and and uh, Brian Marwood with, with Mancini up until that final season. Um, but Gary Stein came in and it's it's it kind of worked with Pellegrini for that first year. The two years after that, it's not really been a, a raging success. Um, so I, th- I think it's all about making sure that the right decisions are being made and you know Bergerstein is just as accountable as anybody else for his job and if we're being brutally honest he hasn't done it in terms of transfers his, his job hasn't been done well enough over the last few years so maybe that's probably the best reason to look at yeah. how the hell does he why. still have his job that's that's this is this is what's mind-bogglingly curious to me they're not going to get rid of him right after the guy that he worked with for years and years <laughs> they they i'm still pretretty sure that literally they hired him in large if, part because they thought he could bring guardiola in and, and, and i under now. and i understand that but if guardiola's okay with him taking the Garestain's job then I can't imagine that their relationship was so amazing in the first place that Guardiola's decision to come to City hinged upon Bagiristein. Like that just doesn't sit right with me. Like any I, man I, who would... sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I just suspect what it is is not that Guardiola will do his job, but that he'll just have the final say on transfer. It used to be Bagiristein that had the final say on transfers. I suspect that's the bit that's switched. So Bergerstein oh. will still go out and, and do the negotiations, yeah. but it'll be, uh, it'll be Guardiola that rubber stamps it in the end, I think. My, my, uh, my understanding of what's going on is that they're, they're, they're not going to have Guardiola sitting in an office and negotiating the terms of every deal, just sort of um, identifying what he wants and then letting them get on with it, I suppose. Is... 
the way probably put just it. way of putting it. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. But, um, uh, let's let's get these parano questions in him and then let Dave get out of here. Yeah, we have uh, several things that I, that that have been asked. Um, a couple questions. Well, I sh- I'm going to ask first. Has has anyone here read uh, Parano's second pet book? Um, I have to hold my hands up and say I haven't read the first one either. Um, so I, I'm not really sure how uh, how well I'm going to be able to answer this, but uh, okay. I'll, I'll have a go. That's okay. I don't think that an innate knowledge of the books is required here. I have the second one, but I haven't read the whole thing yet. Yeah, I have it. I just I I haven't finished it. I'm still working on the re-release of Johan Cruyff's uh, autobiography, you know, because I'm Dutch and that's required reading. <laughs> So, what Perrineau has often said is that Germany changed Pep Guardiola, and I'm not sure how much any of us watched Bayern Munich under Guardiola, like, on a regular basis. I can't say that I I saw them, typically when they were in the Champions League, but... Is is there anything you're we're seeing that he's brought to City from Germany? I would only say that according to some people who would know, um, this this sort of recent shift is kind of Bayern inspired apparently. Um, but I don't really know beyond that. Um, I think what I'm what I suffer with, and it's something that I'm, I'm not going to commit to an answer on this simply because I, I don't know enough. Um, but the, the, the and it's something that I've called other people out at, at the time being as well because the, the, there's a number of times where um, it's been said of Guardiola, he, you know, his style of football just isn't going to work in the Premier League. You know, he's got to be able to adapt to the Premier League. And one of the one of the criticisms that he faces all the time is, you know, he can't do what he did with Bayern Munich or and Barcelona in the Premier League, and there's never really any more reason given than that. And when, when you actually sit down and, and look at what he did with Bayern Munich and Barcelona, they had two completely different styles of play. They weren't the same. You know, he did not do the same stuff with, with Barcelona that he did at, uh, at Bayern Munich. He, first off with, um, with, with with Barcelona, I mean, he hates the phrase tic-a-tac-a, for, for instance, because it, that's, that, it kind of implies passing for passing's sake. Um, but he was, he, 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 he looked at his group of players and he said, what can I do to, to get the best out of these players? He made some big calls in moving big names on and then brought out brought in players that would make play attractive attacking football. He did exactly the same at Bayern Munich, but he didn't. He, he wasn't sitting there going, I need to make these play like Barcelona. He made them play like Bayern Munich. So when, when you look at what he's doing at City, I don't think he's coming in, he's coming in to go, I need to make these play like Bayern Munich and Barcelona. I think he's needing to, I think he's coming in to go, these need to play to the best of their ability and make it open, expansive, attacking, entertaining football. So I think that principle of, of criticising for what he's done in the past, not working in England, doesn't really hold much water because I just think he hasn't really found what he wants to do with this group of players at the moment because, let's be honest, it's the biggest challenge he's faced in football. He's, it, it, the, the, the standard of the Bayern Munich players and the standard of the Barcelona players he took over were far higher than the standard of the City players he took over. At the end of Pellegrini's final season, that was a, a squad that was being held together by sticky tape and you know, you know a few staples here and there. It was, it was not in, in great shape. So... I find it really, really kind of difficult to say what he's bringing from different, what he's bringing from his different areas of, of experience to, to what he's doing in the Premier League. Because on top of that, 
I didn't really watch that much of Bayern Munich and, and Barcelona when he was there. I saw the big games when they were on TV for, for the Champions League, but I didn't watch them week in, week out. And, uh, you know, the, the number of times you hear the, the, the pundits on TV say, well, you know, uh, the, he needs to be able to go to teams like uh, well, you Swansea's and he, he, needs, he needs to come up against teams like Swansea and be able to break them down as if teams like Swansea don't exist in, in, other, in other leagues. And then... You, you kind of nail it down to what what have these pundits watched? Well, they've watched the same as what I have. They've watched them attacking teams that are easy to attack, or they've watched the, you know you know that the teams that open the game up and, and play expansive football, trying to beat Bayern Munich, were the ones that they watched them play, and they they didn't see them have to break down the you know the, the teams down the bottom of the Bundesliga. So I, I find it really difficult to to really nail down this this kind of transition thing. I think to be honest, when Guardiola says. I'm still learning. I think he's being genuinely really serious about that. I think he's looking at the English Premier League and, and how it works, because it does work differently to to other countries, just as the Bundesliga works differently to La Liga. So I think he's he's just still finding his feet, and it's it's because he's not joined an elite club. Because let's you know, if we're being brutally honest, City are not an elite club. They're on their way to being one, but they're certainly not one at the moment. I think he's he's got a lot more work to do, and I think that's that's the only reason why his record at City hasn't hasn't been as good as it was when he walked into the other clubs. It's got nothing to do with the fact that he's losing it or he's you know he's not as good as he once was. I think it all comes down to the fact that he's 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 still finding his feet, he's still learning about the league, and you know in in three years' time, City will be playing better football under Guardiola than they than they have done this season. All right, um, for both of you. Chelsea winning again at the weekend. They're now 10 points clear of City. Do you think Pep should, not will, but should, focus on one competition over the others? Um, yeah, kind of. Um, I, I realize it's, you, you're not going to win too many people saying that City shouldn't give 110% in, in all their games. But I do think that if you find a way to prioritize without it coming at the expense of other competitions, I, I, I mean, I think you need to stay the course in the Premier League and continue to try and get better and then hope that that stumbling block comes from Chelsea that gives you an opportunity to get back into it. But I think that with the lead where it's at and how late in the season they have this kind of a lead, it does seem to be an insurmountable task. And, and City, as David said, are not an elite club. You know, and Chelsea have, for whatever reason, uh, just been able to click together with with strange purchases, you know, and it's because that team was already so loaded in the first place. It was pretty clear that Jose Mourinho was the problem. And so. I think that people were kind of expecting Antonio Conte-like results from Pep without acknowledging the fact that Antonio had far less to do to improve that team. But at the same time, I just I don't really feel like Chelsea should be in should be where City's sights are set. There's still a lot to play for that, you know, Monaco is still there for the taking. If Pellegrini can get this team into the semifinals, there's no reason that Guardiola can't do the same with a couple of lucky draws, you know. 
Um, I, I, I'm not saying that I think City can win it all, but I, I, I do think that their best chance at winning a cup is is the FA. And I think it would be hell of a first haul for Guardiola to win a trophy like that. Um, I, I just, I don't know how to phrase it in such a way that, that, that uh, it doesn't make it seem like I'm saying screw all the other games. I just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think that if Guardiola is going to intently focus on one thing, it should be winning the FA cup and, and maintaining top four status. If that's, even an answer to this question. David, think, you, how do you think he should prioritize? Um, I, I don't think he should. Um, I mean, the question says, uh, do you think uh, Pep should focus on one competition? Um, I don't think he should. I think he would be um, a damned fool to do that. I Just just looking at the, at the Premier League table, um, like Josh said, I think Chelsea are, are far and away um, too far for City to catch. Now, the difference is 10 points. There's 14 games left. It, 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 I mean, they do play each other. Um, but that you mean that involves City winning at, at Stamford Bridge and Chelsea dropping points in in other games. Um, but on top of that, just looking from second place Tottenham on fifty points down to sixth place United on forty five. That's five points separating you know you know a, a group of teams that are all competing for three spots. There, two of those five teams are going to miss out on the Champions League. And if City aren't careful, it could end up being them. That the end of last season was um, it, it was a very close run thing in the end. And Pellegrini prioritised the Champions League at a couple of points where, uh, I think, for instance, the, the away game at Southampton, he named a much-rotated team and they ended up getting battered 4-2. Um, they then actually went out of the Champions League in the following game. But uh, he, he still was he still was looking at that Champions League as, as his kind of... It was almost his, his ideal and his legacy that he could leave if he'd gone on to win it. Um, and so what that, what that ends up doing is it ends up putting a lot of pressure on your other games. And a lot of pressure on the games that you've prioritised as well. So, what I, I mean, Josh is right. Guardiola's got a very good chance of winning the FA Cup. They've been given a very good draw in the next round uh, away at Huddersfield. And then suddenly, you know, you, you, you're getting towards the latter stages of the competition. A couple of good draws and one or two good performances. And before you know it, you've won the thing. So, there's certainly not... I, I don't think City should be taking any of the competitions they're in lightly. But they, they really do need to find a spread across them to be able to, to balance it out. Um, they're not finding Premier League games against the so-called lesser sides that easy to win. Um, so I wouldn't, I, I really wouldn't want to take their, their eyes off the ball for those for, for the terms of the Champions League places. And I, I think you'd be a fool to, I think he would be a fool to, uh, to, to not take the Champions League seriously because, as Josh said, you don't need to be the best team in the competition to win it. All of a sudden, you need, you know, one or two, you, you need one or two good performances like the FA Cup, one or two good performances, uh, one or two lucky draws. And, you know, a couple of penalty shootout wins and, hey, Presto, you know, your Chelsea or Liverpool that have walked away as the best team in Europe without being the best team in Europe. So it's 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 really one where I think in terms of prioritising over the course of the season, he's got to use his squad to the full potential and, and be able to take play, players might be in great form, take them out, give them a rest when he gets back to that stage of being two games in a week. Yep. Um, my general thinking is... Um, you can't miss out on top four. He's been brought here to try and win the Champions League, so he can't really, screw, say, throw that aside, and he has a good chance in the FA Cup. So it's just sort of, I, you can't really prioritize those. You just have to be smart about it. Last question from Christo Hatting, and you don't even have to really give a reason here, but it's just sort of for fun. 
Money or no object, who would you sign from Barcelona? Messi, Neymar, Busquets, or PK? I uh, know on the on the sheet that I've got, it doesn't say from Barcelona because I was just thinking I'd sign me. I'd get me in there, you know, there you just wait no. me between the posts and see what happens. Then, you, then you'll uh, be pining for Claudio Bravo back in that case. Um, I, 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 I don't know, know if we will. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if you can guarantee that promise. I mean, you, even at your worst, I might still take you over Bravo. Well, you see, how I, tall I wear, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm six. I'm six foot tall and wear glasses. So, oh, okay. um, you know, I'd have to take the glasses off, and I can't wear contact lenses. I don't like them. So. Uh, you know, everything's a bit blurry when I'm playing football, so it's you're very hit and miss. Whether I, if I leave, I always used to say to my defenders, if I leave the line, then you know that there's something up. So uh, <laughs> uh, start to panic in that case. Um, I honestly don't know. I, I, uh, who would you, who would you say? I'm going to let Josh go first on this one. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I'm taking Busquets. I think Busquets or PK help the most, but I'm saying yep. Neymar because he's the youngest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I. It look, doesn't man, fill a need. I just like. Attackers, okay. I, I like is, attackers. This is kind too. of a frivolous question, so I'm giving a frivolous answer. That's fair. I, I mean, if that's the case, then I mean, if that's we're going not, with the that's not criticism answer, of the question, by the way. I just mean it's kind of for fun. I'm I, think, I, I, I mean, look at, looking at the centre back situation, PK would be a very good option, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah he, he, play, he can play with his feet. He he has proven for years that he's a good defender. Um, I'd be very tempted. Yeah, I, I get the Messi and the Neymar attraction because they're, they're wonderful players to watch on the ball. But City have got City are very top heavy at the moment. They really need reinforcements at the back. Is that is that too much of a sensible answer? I don't know. No, it's we needed a sensible answer because I'm just literally just sitting here throwing out you know nonsense. Real quick, and then we'll do, wrap this up. Um, next game is Bournemouth away next Monday in the Premier League. Win or lose, how are we feeling about it, David? Real quick. Um, I'm to be honest with you. If City can't win this one, then I think there's something up. Bournemouth are in real trouble at the moment. They um, somehow Eddie Howe has managed to avoid a lot of criticism for turning his team into into one of the most useless in the Premier League at the moment. Um, <laughs> they, they I, 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 you know, I think I genuinely think if they if it wasn't for, I mean, Sunderland have. have I had a couple of good results recently, but if it wasn't for uh, for Hull looking quite as useless as they are, Leicester being quite as uh, as poor champions as they are, and in my opinion Middlesbrough looking quite in danger, I think Bournemouth will be uh, be really looking over their shoulders. Um, so I I really think City should be going to this one, and I would, in terms of a team lineup, I would keep it exactly as he started against uh, Swansea. They've had a, enough time to recover. Um, he kept it the same. I think I think it was um, pretty much the same, but for one change for Fernandinho um, to the game with West Ham. So I, I don't see any reason to change that that kind of front five. I can't, I can't think how many players it is. It's front five, isn't it? So I, I, I really don't see any reason to change that. And if City play even half as well as they did at West Ham, then they should comfortably beat Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth are not a good team at all this season. On Eddie Howe, it's because he's young and English and gets brownie points for trying to play attacking football with a small team. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I never thought of that, but yeah, I suppose, <laughs> nail on the head, really. Josh, um, your thoughts, real quick. Echoing David's thoughts, if City can't get past this and if City can't look good doing it, then I'm starting to wonder if there aren't some internal locker room problems, maybe... <laughs> Maybe it's just not sitting well with some players, and that's permeating throughout. But, I, I mean, this is honestly a game that City should win. They should do so handily. 
And, I mean, you're talking about a team, I think, that has a minus 12 goal differential. So if you if you lose to a team with a minus 12 goal differential, you have issues. I just say uh, uh, Leicester are on minus 17, and City did quite well to lose to them. Yeah, um, yeah. probably not. <laughs> yeah, I probably yeah. shouldn't tempt fate like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, for one, am ready for more of Fernandinho as a masquerading right back. Um, <laughs> that I liked of, him. Actually, that was a lot of right fun. Back. Yeah, I wish I brought that up earlier, so we would have had more time to talk about it. But we're about out of time. So, David, where can we find you online? Uh, best place is uh, is Twitter. I uh, I don't really use anything other than Twitter. Um, I'm really I, I got in there really early, so I'm really simply just at David Mooney M W O N E Y. Um, I got there before the the, the footballer, so um, so I, I've got that handle, so I'll never change that. So it'll, uh, so I don't want anybody else to have it off me. Um, but uh, David Mooney on Twitter. You can also uh, we've also got Blue Moon Podcast as well. Uh, that's that's again just Blue Moon Podcast all over t- uh, Twitter and Facebook. Listen and donate because they do good work over there. Um, they do the dad cast. The dad cast. The, dad- <laughs> the stroke of genius. Um, as for us, um, we're on Twitter at America Citizens. You can. Tweet us there. Get your questions on the air. We're happy to answer them. Send us your reaction to games. Anything like that, you can tweet us over there. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for American Citizens with the Y, and we will be on there. And um, I think that covers it. Um, I I just have one question for David, super quick. Did you watch (laughs) the Super Bowl, David? Um, did I watch the Super Bowl? I'm, I'm afraid I was out. I couldn't. No, yeah, I, no, I, I didn't see it. No. I'm, just, I'm just curious how the Super Bowl plays over in England. Like, it's it's picking it's up momentum. Sports one. Uh, it's 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 really picking up momentum. I think it was. I think it's actually on BBC One, so it's on. Uh, huh. I think anybody can watch it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't get American football, so I'm mm. uh, I'm sorry. I uh, I didn't I'm watch the it. Only one appearing on this podcast to watch the Super Bowl. That's kind of amazing. You um, are. I am. All right. Well, um, David, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, For Josh, I'm Gray. This has been American Citizens. It'll be a while before we talk to you again because the next game isn't for a week. But um, have a great week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. um, And we'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, everybody.